All right, well, this morning, kids, I need you to uh, participate. Alan's lollipops. Parents, no artificial colours or flavours. All right, I've got a piece of paper. It's called a picture sermon. So kids, you're going to get a piece of paper and you get to draw notes on what is being said this morning. And so my two lovely daughters are going to come and hand these out. Now, they do have some pencils. If you do need some pencils, you can grab some pencils as well. And at the end, if you've uh, had a go, come and see me and you may enjoy a lollipop. My kids are asking me how many squares they need to fill in. I said, I reckon about the amount of your age. And our parents, I've seen some pretty good ones in the past that I think parents have helped with. And that's cool. I like that. But if that's the case, that means you need to take the average of the ages. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so there has been some big kids who have uh, done this too in the past. So, and there's been some very good, very good uh, notes. So picture, picture sermon. So if you would like to enjoy uh, Alan's lollipop, Start taking some notes, young and old, and uh, come and show me your notes at the end. So if you need a pencil too, there's some pencils there. This morning I'm going to preach on a topic that I believe is uh, the foundation of how we should live. Going back to the basics, a good way to, to start the year. Uh, it's important to be reminded of this uh, regularly because we can uh, often complicate things. What is the truth of the gospel? What did Jesus' work do for us today? <clears throat> to address that question, we're going to turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, and I'll read through Galatians chapter 5. What is the truth of the gospel? Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law, having been alienated from Christ, you have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. For you're running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persecution does, sorry, that kind of persecution does not come from one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole bunch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will not take another view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will have to pay the penalty, whoever that may be. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, 
I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled by keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you will not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fraction and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Father, I thank you for your word. And just as our Pastor Gary prayed before, Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would speak this morning through my words into the hearts of every person here. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, for me, Galatians is one of uh, Paul's earliest letters. Uh, Written to the churches in uh, Galatia. Uh, The Galatians, uh, the Gulls, however you want to pronounce it, uh, were known to have migrated to this area of Turkey uh, from the west around 278 BC. Now it's recorded of these people. They are renowned warriors, prized mercenaries, whose outlandish appearance and great physical stature and barbarian ways struck terror into their enemies. This is who Paul is writing to. Now, if you're trying to picture who these goals may look like, some of you may be familiar with our friends Asterix and Oblix. Paul is writing to some distant relatives of Asterix in this situation, who migrated from that little village over in France, over across to Turkey. This is the, who Paul is writing to. Uh, And hence, their appearance, their uh, outlandish behaviour. We see Paul kind of get a little bit aggressive in this situation. Paul follows a a standard New Testament century letter structure. As he writes this, uh, sender, uh, Paul, to the recipient, to the Galatians, uh, a greeting. Then normally, in a first century letter, is a thanksgiving. I thank God for... Uh, I thank you for, I give thanks for, uh, you can check out Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, you'll see the structure there, very similar. So those listening to this letter would have been in this frame of mind as the person in the front would have been reading, that's what happened back then, letters were read publicly to to the people. And so as they were sitting listening, they would have been expecting now, what's this Thanksgiving Paul is going to give us? What's he going to say? How is he going to lift us up and encourage us? And just as he gets to the thanksgiving, Paul writes, 
I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live by grace in Christ and turning to a different gospel, which isn't even a gospel at all. So instead of a thanksgiving, he rebukes them. He slaps them in the head. But they could take it because they were gulls. Some people had come into the uh, church Paul had planted. The agitators, as they're called. Probably Jewish believers. They'd come along after Paul had planned the church and decided to continue what Paul had started. Not just let continue in helping the church to grow, but to continue the maybe what they thought initial teachings of Paul and to uh, continue the teaching of what was required to be the people of God. They probably said something along these lines. Well, now that you believe, now that you have faith, that's awesome. Well, I probably wouldn't say that. I'd chuck that in. Um, You need to become a Jew. Now that you believe you accept the Christ, you need to become a Jew. Start obeying Jewish law. These are the true marks of the people of God. We are the people of God, the Jewish people. So that means you need to start with circumcision, obeying the Torah, That's the continuation of the gospel. It was probably saying something along those lines to continue to further what Paul initially taught to them about the message of Christ and how Christ can set them free. In order to uh, counter Paul's gospel, if I can call it that, these, these agitators had to come in and discredit who Paul was. He wasn't really an apostle. You know that. He wasn't one of the 12 there. He, was, he, he came later. He, he wasn't one of those guys. So, you know, he's not really sent out from the 12. So, you know, we're, we're sent out. We've come from Jerusalem. So we're here to bring the complete, the, full, the continuation. And so they're having a go at his identity. Paul addresses this in chapter 1, chapter 2. He gets right into affirming who he is called by God. In fact, his, his introduction where he says, at right at the beginning of 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not sent by men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul makes clear at the beginning, he knows who he is. This is who I am. They may say other, but I am a messenger of God. Just a side note on that. When God wants to attack a truth in our lives... Part of what he'll do, he'll attack our identity or the identity of the person who brought the truth. We need to know who we are in Christ. Stand firm in who you are in Christ. Don't let, don't let another message come in and try and distract you. You're not really that person. Or they're not really that person who said that. You are a child of God. Know that this morning. That is the truth. After affirming his place as an apostle, Paul then goes in to address the issue, a bit of a theological discussion. Uh, going back to Abraham, and uh, Abraham, who they consider themselves a, a child of, you know, their father Abraham, because he had many sons, many sons, like Father Abraham, um, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Um, but he went back to Abraham before the law. Abraham was a considered righteous before the law. 
Before circumcision, Abraham was considered righteous. So Paul makes his argument coming back to Abraham before Moses, before the law, before all that stuff to argue his case in this situation. I mean, and, and to throw, throw things even, even worse. <clears throat> so they're children of Abraham, but we, we, we know the story. Abraham had two sons, and they are of the line of Isaac, children of Sarah. Abraham was given Hagar, and Ishmael was born. And they were considered disgraceful. Paul, in his argument, talking about these Jews who pride themselves as children of Abraham and Sarah, a child of faith, he's basically saying to them in this letter, listen, when what you're doing, you know what you are? You're children of Hagar. There's another big punch, right? That, this, this is what Paul, he's, he's, he's really cut up here. He's really getting aggressive in this situation. They were messing with something that was fundamental, the truth of the gospel. And that truth is freedom in Christ. We have freedom in Christ. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, I see this as the brave heart of the Bible. This is where William Wallace is there, Paul the Apostle, and he goes, Freedom! This, this is what it's about. There's nothing else. Don't mess with the truth. The truth of the gospel is Christ set us free. Free from sin, free from death. That is the truth. This morning we are free. We are free in Christ. It's great having our kids because uh, you get to watch uh, movies that if you're kind of, you know, walked in by yourself as an adult, they'd probably think you're a bit weird. And, um, and one of the movies uh, I enjoy is Madagascar. Um, and there's an interesting group of uh, penguins. Smile and wave. <laughs> This little group, I should say actually waddle. You know, they're actually actually a waddle. That's that's the technical term for a group of penguins on land. Waddle. This waddle, they're a bit psycho, a bit crazy. Well, they're their leader in particular, but the others follow along, so they're just as crazy. And uh, they realise that it's just not right. They attempt to escape. And they dig a tunnel, they're on their way out, and they pop up. They've made some wrong calculations and pop up in Marty's pen. Marty the zebra. And they begin to talk. Yes, Marty is crazy. And the penguins explain to Marty, do you see any other penguins running around in New York City? Of course not. We don't belong here. It's just not natural. This is some kind of whacked out conspiracy. We're going to the wide open space of Antarctica, to the wild. See, the penguins knew it. The penguins knew the truth. They were not designed to be in captivity. They knew it. 
They opened Marty's eyes. Hence, then we get the bit of the story of Madagascar. Many of us need to realize the truth the penguins have to offer. We're not meant to live in captivity. Paul continues, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will have no value at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he's obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law, having been alienated by Christ, for you have fallen away from grace. Through the Spirit, we eagerly await faith, but sorry, await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul argues Christ has done it all. Christ has done it all. Christ has fulfilled the law. Trying to uh, you know, get these believers to, to follow the law to be Jews was alienating themselves from Christ. Here, these, these agitators came in to say, hey, listen, this will create you a better relationship, put you in a better place with God. Paul's now countering it. They go, listen, you follow that, you're going to alienate yourself, cut yourself off from Christ. The key is our freedom. The freedom in Christ, the freedom Christ gives us through faith, expressing itself through love, not law. Paul commands the Galatians. He, he commends them by saying that they started well, but then he goes on, you're running the race well, but who cut in on you? The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Verse 12. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That will be an interesting diagram, won't it? Again, Paul confronts the agitators, accusing them of confusion, threatening them by, causing, uh, by saying they will uh, have a penalty for causing confusion. But then Paul goes a step further when he's talking about the Jewish custom of circumcision. He goes a step further by saying, I wish they would go all the way and cut it off. This is in God's word. You can look it up yourselves. I'm not making this up. It's in scripture here. All right? Paul is upset. That's probably a polite way of saying it. I've heard some commentators say that that was actually the word he used. Might have been a bit on the edge. All right? This is how upset Paul is because they're messing with the truth of the gospel. Don't mess with the truth of the gospel. In Paul saying that, he's making so many kind of accusations at them, but one in particular I think is significant is they're going, listen, by circumcision, you might as well cut it all off. You're just assigning yourself like the eunuchs we talk about in Deuteronomy, where Deuteronomy says those that are eunuchs uh, who, who are emasculated or crushing uh, may not enter the assembly of the Lord. So here these Jewish teachers come in saying, you need to do this, do this to be a people of God. Paul's saying, if you do that, you know what? You won't enter the people of God. Wow. Now, just, just to put things in, in the balance here, just to clarify, Paul's not against Jewish customs. Because if you remember part of the story, when Timothy was along, Timothy was a Jew. Timothy was with him at one point. He encouraged Timothy to obey the custom. 
to do what was required for Jews to be faithful. But see, Galatians, they're not Jews. They're Gentiles, or I should say the majority of them are Gentiles. And this is the issue here. The issue was these, Galatians, these Jewish teachers were coming in and trying to make them Jews. And Paul's going, you've missed the whole point. It's not about making people Jews. It's about allowing people to be free in Christ. That is the truth of the gospel. Paul didn't hold anything back. Don't mess with the gospel. Don't mess with the message that Jesus Christ came to set us free. John understood this when he wrote in John chapter 8. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. See this connection back to Abraham from them. That was big. They were descendants of Abraham. And we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we'll be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. That's the message this morning. The son has set us free. That is the truth of the message. That is the truth of the gospel. Jesus Christ has set us free. You're free. Go and live in freedom. That's where we find our true selves. There's another character in Madagascar. A lion. Who knows his name? Alex the lion. Alex had been brought up in the zoo. His purpose that he thought in life was to be a show lion. For him, it was all about performance. That was his desire to be the greatest show lion at all. <laughs> but as the story unfolds, as he gets out into freedom, guess what Alex starts to discover? He starts to discover his true self. Alex is no longer a, a performing lion. He realizes he's a king yeah. of the jungle. Our identity is found in Christ. Freedom in Christ. Our identity is found in the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we find our identity in Jesus Christ. That's where we are free. And when we're free, we get to walk in who we are in Christ. So what does this freedom look like? Oh, I'm glad you asked. In verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul comes back to the main point. You were called to be free. This is the message. You were called to be free. But here's the issue. 
Back then, as today, freedom is a dangerous word. Freedom can, uh, can I say, wreck cultures, mess up countries. I don't know if, if I can say start wars, but it's connected to wars. When we talk about freedom, back then and even today, this is, people think freedom is do what you want to do, be what you want to be, yeah. Do what you want to do as long as you don't hurt anyone else. That's how the world defines freedom. The problem with that is, though, is that when we live in a place of freedom like that, we're actually hurting ourselves. Freedom's dangerous. So Paul, Paul has to define freedom. He wants to clarify what does he mean by freedom? Yes, we are free in Christ. Christ came to set us free. So what is this freedom we're to live in? Freedom is to become a servant in serving others humbly in love. Or should I say to become a slave in serving others humbly in love. Hang on, and listen, you you can look this up too. I've just used the word slave, serve, and I'm talking about freedom. Yeah, this is what Paul writes about. He puts that word in there, serve, slave, same Greek word. How can can freedom be connected to this idea of slavery? You just talked about not bringing yourself under a yoke of slavery. Now you've just said, you've said slave again, serve again. Yeah, but here's the context. Humbly serving one another in love. Love. Love is the key there. You know, we can talk about freedom, you know, with all, just, hey, do whatever I want to do, but there's boundaries in freedom. And this boundary in the truth of the gospel is humbly serving one another in love. I was reminded of a story of a, of a monkey and a fish. A monkey, while sitting in a tree, spotted a fish swimming against the current. It seemed obvious to the monkey that the fish was struggling and unable to escape. Being kind of heart, the monkey resolved to set the fish free. A, tea, a tree precariously dangled over the spot where the fish seemed to be captive. The monkey moved far out on a limb, reached down and snatched the fish from the hostile waters. Immediately scurrying back to the safety of his shelter, the monkey laid the fish on the dry ground. For a few moments, the fish showed excitement, but soon settled into a peaceful rest. The fish was free from the ravaging and slaving waters. We all know the fish wasn't free. <laughs> now, if it was a nice fish, I probably would enjoy that on the barbecue. Uh, but the fish was dead. For the fish to be free, it had to be in the water. It had to exist within the boundaries of water. We can't exist in freedom with no boundaries. 
It leads to death. It leads to destruction. Our freedom exists in serving others humbly in love. Tom Wright writes, Tom Wright writes, freedom from restraint, if it's to be any use, must be matched by a sense of freedom for a particular purpose. Yes, we're free from sin, free from death, free for God, free for humbly serving others in love. That's the truth of the gospel. After all, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, not only does the law fulfill the, uh, sorry, love fulfill the law, God is love. If we are to live in freedom of Christ, we need to live in love. I mean, Paul continues this thought in chapter 6. He kind of unpacks it a bit in chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens. Each one to test their own actions. Let's not become weary of doing good. Therefore, if we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. These instructions come out of a place of love. This is freedom in Christ. Serving one another humbly in love. So how do we do this? I don't have the strength. And to be honest, you know what? At times, I feel like I don't have the strength. Then we get to verse 16. Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you're not gratified as eyes of the flesh. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Paul's emphasizing his point here. Listen, I'm saying this again. So I say, here it is. Here's the point. Walk by the Spirit. Here is the mark of a believer. This is the mark of the people of God. Not Jewishness, not Jewish law. It is the spirit that has been placed in our hearts. That is the mark of a believer. The spirit is the one who enables us to be free through the work of Jesus Christ. Paul Paul has emphasized the idea of the spirit throughout his letter. I mean, chapter 3, he uh, talks to them, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Did you receive the spirit by works of the law? Or by believing in what you heard, by having faith in what you heard. It wasn't by the works they they received the Spirit. It was by their faith, by believing, just as Abraham, when he believed, was declared righteous. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit by working miracles among you, by works of law or by believing. See, they, they knew at the beginning when they experienced it, they experienced the Spirit when they heard and believed. Not after they followed the Jewish customs. They received it when they believed, when they were free. 
by responding to the message of Jesus Christ and accepting their place as free in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's this spirit which Paul writes in our chapter 4. It's the spirit that enabled them to become children. Because you were his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. The spirit is a sign of God's promise. The spirit within us calls out Abba, Father, positioning us as children of God, as the people of God, as a mark of the people of God. But not only is the Spirit up the promise, the Spirit enables. The Spirit enables us to be free. Paul demonstrates the work of the Spirit in the believer's life compared to the work of the flesh. The work of the flesh leads to this. It's interesting how he goes into discussion about the works of the flesh. I mean, he's talking about Jewish law as acts of the flesh. Then he makes this comparison. If you want to do things by Jewish law, acts of the flesh, well, you're kind of like these guys, and we know what the acts of the flesh are, all this bad stuff. Jewish customs, you try and force it on these people, it's in the same category. We know what they are, but... Living in freedom. The spirit who enables that in us grows fruit within us. Places fruit within us that flourishes, that grows. It's on display for others. This this list in Galatians through the spirit is is not meant to be a a tick list of self-righteousness. Well, it's kind of nice to kind of measure against that. It's not meant to be something for me to go, oh, yes, I'm, I'm loving today. Yes, I'm, I'm joy. It was actually written in the context of community. Within a community, what's his fruit for? To bring community together. The fruit here is for others. The fruit isn't for the tree. The fruit's for others. For others to enjoy, see, and be nourished by. How's your fruit nourishing others? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those living according to the truth of the gospel, serving one another humbly in love, walk in the Spirit, they display the fruit of the Spirit in all they do. That's a life of freedom. That is the truth of the gospel. Paul's point is that when the Spirit is at work, they will begin to happen. New motivations will appear. When the Spirit's within, these things, these fruit will just begin, begin to flourish. At the end of the chapter, Paul kind of brings things to a close. He, he has a double emphasis in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. He's double emphasizing his point here. 
It's a step. It's not a leap. It's not a jump. It's not a climb. It's not a hurdle. One step at a time. Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, we live according to the Spirit. It is because of the Spirit we can experience freedom in Christ Jesus. Musos, can you come up? Thank you. Today I want to ask you, how free are you? How free are you? I don't know everyone here. And maybe you've never responded to the initial call of the gospel and accepted the freedom in Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, I want to let you know the invitation is out there. This morning you can accept Jesus Christ and begin your life now of freedom. Freedom in Christ Jesus. True freedom of lovingly serving others, walking in the Spirit. In a life that God has called you. If this morning you've never responded before, today's your day. Don't wait any longer. Allow freedom in your life. Be set free. And in being set free, you begin to walk in who you are as a child of God. I like to think there's just a couple of simple things that we need to do. We need to believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he is God's son, that he came down to earth, lived on this earth, was crucified, died on a cross for our sins, rose again on the third day. Believe in Jesus Christ and who he is. Then repent. Repent means to turn around. You were going this way. I was doing this by myself, but now I believe I'm going to turn around. I'm going to change the way I was living and I want to walk a different way. Walk by the Spirit. And then receive Jesus as your leader, saviour, king, boss. Whatever word you want to use, say, Jesus, I want to obey you now. I want to follow you. You're my master. I want to submit to you. It's in that place where true freedom is found. Maybe you are a person of God, belong to the people of God, a child of God. Perhaps you're not feeling free at this time. I want to encourage you this morning, you are free. You are free. Shortly the musicians are going to minister. And if you do feel that you're not walking completely in that freedom, I want to encourage you. I know there's a ministry team here. Why don't you just come out, spend some time with God and allow His Spirit to come and fill you afresh, to allow you to walk in that freedom that He has destined you for. How free are you? Can we just close our eyes, please, just across this room? If you haven't responded to the message of Jesus Christ before and began your walk in freedom this morning, I want to give you the opportunity. While people's heads are bowed, no one's looking around, we'd love to pray with you. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand, just so we can see... If you're here, we can pray with you. So anyone here this morning saying, I, I haven't begun my life in freedom in Christ. If that's you, just, just raise your hand this morning so I can see that. Is anyone here this morning? 
who wants to begin their walk in freedom this morning.